0: The following presentation represents the opinions of Tracy Turner and her guests to the show and website. The information presented should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for informational purposes only, and because each person is so unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. Tracy Turner is a licensed clinical mental health counselor supervisor with over 25 years of experience working with families who have children suffering from complex developmental trauma. Tracy uses counseling psychology modalities such as movement therapy, yoga, EMDR, and a deep spiritual perspective. Join us today as Tracy shares her techniques, knowledge, and guidance to bring more forgiveness, gratitude, and joy into your daily life. Hello, and welcome everyone to the RAD Family Parenting Podcast. My name is Holly Kyle. I'm your moderator. And with us today, we have Tracy Turner, licensed clinical mental health counselor based out of North Carolina. And we have a very special guest, Dr. Frank Anderson with us today, uh, who is in the Boston area. And we're going to talk about some uh, stages and styles of attachment. And really, I would love for the two of you to dive into how internal family systems and attachment theory complement each other. So I'm going to let you take off first, Tracy, and uh, let you two take it away.
1: Yeah, thank you. And uh, welcome, Frank. It's great to have you here. Um, So yeah, so as, yeah, so I I work primarily underneath the guise of attachment therapy um, and have integrated a lot of your internalized family systems approach. I love the parts language. I love, I love, I just started really kind of working more deeply with The soul, like here's, you know, this sense of self, right, with the capital S. That that never, like, that's God's gift to you. That never, like, that never disappears. That always have been, always will be lovable, is what I tell my kids. So, how do we begin to strengthen that, right? And and find out the different parts of like of of you that are keeping you from doing that and so forth. So, so yes. So feel free to jump in and and uh, how we can have this dialogue on just how to parents and other professionals kind of really understand all the different modalities that are available to help uh, help help a child, help a parent, help a family um, feel a little bit more connected, right? Mm.
2: Well, it's an interesting, you know, it's an interesting and very personal journey for me, honestly, um, mm. as somebody who speaks a lot about trauma and writes a lot about trauma and Teaches a lot about trauma as it relates to internal family systems and neuroscience as a psychiatrist and a therapist and so this interesting combination yeah. of both yeah. not many yeah. of, not, that doesn't exist very <laughs> often um, but the personal journey for me particularly around parenting was really um, my tra- how my trauma history on a very deep level got triggered and activated with my children You know, and it was something that I was really not expecting at all. I had done a lot of work on myself, ready to have kids and got this whole other layer of activation when my Mm -hmm. oldest was born, which really kind of freaked me out, honestly. And it was very much rooted in my very deep unconscious unknown attachment stuff. So my journey (laughs) into diving in Separate from being this kind of trauma expert with Bessel van der Kolk at the trauma center for years since 92 was like, holy cow, something really profoundly, has mm-hmm. um, impa- got activated in me with having these young babies. Um, so that's part of what had me dive in to IFS, interestingly enough, because I was like, I, I am committed to not repeating this pattern. Like that was really powerful for me. Um, I had figured out how to have a healthy, intimate relationship.
1: Right, (laughs) right.
2: Got that one down. (laughs) And then then it was this whole other layer, which I now understand was rooted very much in powerful, deep, unconscious attachment stuff, my own. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: then what would be recreated transgenerationally or not? Like this is a big piece for me. Uh, And, you know, as I teach about, trauma but specifically here around parenting and attachment Mm
3: -hmm. um
2: i was really i was like i have to work with parents more than children i have to work with parents more than children because parents are often the root cause and the the way this gets perpetuated not consciously not deliberately not even intentionally Mm -hmm. okay it's more the unconscious reenactment the stuff that we live in the implicit memory stuff that gets encoded in our systems that we yep. just naturally react to and um, perpetuate when we have children. And for me, I've read tons of parenting books out there, like tons right. of them. And I'm just like, we're kind of missing the mark. This is not about the kids. This is about the parents personally. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really focus on parenting. And what I mean by that, as it relates to internal family systems is we often will get triggered by our children. Yes. Parents will get triggered by our kids. And there's this normalization of, oh, well, it's everybody loses it. Like it's okay to lose it. I'm like, well, not really. <laughs> yes, we all lose it. And and right. we're losing yep. it because we get triggered about our own wounding. Yeah. Okay, so yes, we do it. And what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Because if you, yeah. if you just normalize it, you're not going to correct it. And we all know right. that kids take responsibility for every single thing parents don't. Mm-hmm. So this is how that cycle gets perpetuated, in my right. view, yeah. is if parents get triggered, parents get reactive, you, know, you talk about reactive attachment disorder, uh, a parent, atta- parent reactive attachment disorder is right. the way I, I want to call think it. It's
1: a really good point. And
2: you know and over
1: the years of working with, you know I've been in the field for over 35 years now. Um, working with attachment disorder and really as you know over the last 20 years my primary focus is just working with the parents now a child comes (laughs) in but my goal is my and I say to the parents my job is to form a relationship with you that you trust me enough that I'm going to be able to delve into what's happening here and point out and help you create that you know that healthy bond with your child my job with your child is to make them feel safe enough to reach out to you to sort of say, Hey, right. mom or dad, right. this is what's coming up for me. And you're right. I mean, it, it is so, and I think over the last two years, you know, I've been doing telehealth for well before the pandemic happened and it's yeah. and the pandemic was a perfect excuse to not see the children come into the office. Right. And it's like, right. okay, you know, now we're just dealing with just the parents. Um, okay. And I do think it's really, really important to to um, help parents understand this is not about that you're doing something wrong it's right. not that there's something right. that has to be fixed it is giving a more expansive view on what is happening that is i would call what i wrote about within. is right within inter- what's inter-
3: happening
1: within what's happening within and the intergenerational components right. that we're not aware of until our child activates it for us right
2: you've got it 100 yeah yeah that's i exactly say right
1: yeah your child's going to bring out the worst and the best in you you yeah. know and that's why we have kids we don't know why we have kids but we have kids because we want to learn more about ourselves and i
2: total i'm 100 percent. i say i often say we we get i do a whole piece on why we get the kids we get because I yeah. don't think it's random, honestly. Oh, it's yeah. I think we get what we need, not what we want. Yep. When it comes to children, I think it is an opportunity for parents to grow, let it grow at a soul level.
3: Mm-hmm. And I think
2: there are soul contracts with kids and what their little lives need to grow on and who, what parents they pick. So I don't think it's random at all. No, and I no. think when the stuff gets activated and it will,
3: Yes. it's
2: the opportunity. <laughs> it's an opportunity for growth on all levels oh my goodness I am such a different person now than I was 17 years ago when I first Mm -hmm. had my first kid
3: it's
2: like I cannot believe and that's because I took it I I feel grateful that I took advantage of the opportunities to grow and learn Mm
3: -hmm. you know
2: um, as opposed to perpetuate like we have this real choice it's do the work or recreate yeah. in a way, you know, and, and yeah, everybody's got something to recreate, because we all come from a culture, we all come from an ethnic background, yeah. we all come from families that have stuff, I mean, yeah. you know, this whole idea, this is part of, I'll say a little bit about, <laughs> um, Tracy, some of my issues, like, with the whole attachment theories, attachment mm-hmm. styles, I have issues around mm-hmm. this, because healthy attachment like who is that like I don't know secure attachment like hello <laughs> those aren't my people like you know and we also they don't come into my office you know
1: it's not going to my I've, office either
2: <laughs> everybody's got and this, this that that's part of like I, I think the field of attachment research is very valuable I think attachment is essential for life like you know I make this distinction between connection and attachment you know okay and there's connection is like what it is about in life love and connection right. like hello that's why we're here yeah. and attachment is that earlier stages for children as they're learning about connection okay. <laughs> you have attachment mm-hmm. to learn about connection right because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you just don't have and have that mature right, right ability when you're young where, where you know kids reach out and cry because yeah. they want connection and attachment so yeah. For me, the, the issue that, I, and this is, it's not that I don't believe in it. I tweak it a little bit. This is mm-hmm. what I think about. Yeah. And the way I tweak it is informed by internal family systems. And I don't think anybody is securely attached, avoidantly attached, anxiously attached, reactively attached. I don't think styles are embedded personally. Right. I think we all have all of them. That's the way I think of it. I think and there's
1: parts, right? There's a part of me that's avoidant. There's a part of me that's a part of my kid. Right.
2: Like and that's where the attachment comes in from my perspective. So I could I can I can go either direction. If I think about my parents Mm
3: -hmm. or
2: I think about my kids, like I can say I have secure connections and attachment with parts of my mother. Yeah. And I have avoidant attachment to parts of my father. Parts of me are avoidantly right. attached to parts of him. Yeah. Parts of me are securely attached to parts of my mother, herself, yes. for example. Yep. So mm-hmm. I think we all have all of them.
3: Right. I don't think right. anybody
2: has one. So that's one of my issues. It's like, hello, like yeah. we all have all of these and they're healable. Yes. And there's a way to correct it as opposed to, you know, this is I, some part of me Part of a part of me gets reactive <laughs> around. Damn! All I had to be is a good parent for the first two years of life, and my kids are set for, for life. You know, yeah. secure attachment. You're good to go. See you later. You know, I'm like, no, 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 no. Well, I like, think that you
1: bring up. I think you bring up a good point, and I think, and I, my perspective is that it's fluid, right? There's like we think about with ease and grace, yes. this fluidity. Yes. So I always say to my parents, is like, you know, we have a box, and inside that box. The box is kind of like this, the, the the boundaries of who we are. That may not change, but what happens inside is fluid. There's fluidity. It's gonna oh, change with the seasons, the, your mood, everything. So there's a level of, and that's where I think it's, it'd be, it's a great collage, right? It's a great collage yeah. to take a look at and kind of go, okay, with all these different, cause we have to put it, sometimes we have to put a title to it to be able mm-hmm. to talk about it because yeah. As human beings, language is what advances us and inhibits us.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: when we go into language, we then have it becomes very uh, two dimensional. And the reality is that energetically, we're multidimensional. So when we're so when we're trying yeah. to teach or explain, we go into a two dimensional, and it's a language thing. So now we have now it looks like oh, it's a stagnant, secure, ambivalent avoidant right. attachment. But the reality is there's a moment, right? This child may have avoidant attachment based on the fact that in utero they had all kinds of drug exposure. They came right. out, they're gonna avoid. They're gonna be like, yeah, I'm shut down. I am not mm-hmm. reaching out. I don't have the reach pattern to do this. It's scary, right? I don't have this. So I think that the, the if we were gonna use the in utero experience I think that we have these pieces but the fluid that's there is a sense of safety right? Within all of it, with all of these different modalities and all of these different approaches, I think the most important thing is in thinking about where is my sense of safety? Now, it's not like you might be a safe person. I might be a safe person, but I might not feel safe with you, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't have a sense of safety because I don't have that connection. Right? I don't have
2: a connection. The way I think about that is that that sense of safety that you're talking about is both internal and external. If there's this dynamic, Mm -hmm. the fluidity dynamically from my perspective. So like kids, like in the IFS view, this idea of self-energy, we have it, we're born with it. It doesn't need to be cultivated. It gets blocked when we have overwhelming or scary experiences because Mm -hmm. our parts show up to protect us. Right. So my view is everybody has that in them and kids who grow up in, you know, difficult or um, untoward or dangerous, unsafe, traumatic experiences have to disconnect from themselves in order to survive and, and their protective parts have to do that. So therefore the world is unsafe and they have to figure out a way to be safe, but then they've also lost the internal safety of self-energy so they're they're not safe inside and they're not safe outside and so for me that safety is that place of self-energy whether Mm -hmm. it's through attachment and connection like the self of me connects to the self of my mother that's Mm -hmm. a safe alignment right but kids will always choose parent over self for survival sake even and, and so if it's parents drinking and smoking and yelling and screaming, that's what they end up choosing. So Mm -hmm. how to reestablish the safety relationally and, and, and internally
3: Mm -hmm. is the
2: work really, because you can't just rely externally and then be able to really maneuver in the world. So for me, it's that both and, Mm -hmm. right? The external uh, safety and the and, than allowing for the internal safety too.
1: Right. And I'm wondering, Frank, that if if like so, if my internal sense of safety is is non-existent, it's there, but if I'm not, if I don't have access to it, right? There's, things, there's it. a block there, right? If I don't have access right. to that, then right. I guess my point is that even though you might be a safe person, I'm not going to feel that with you until I am I I have been able to activate or have access to my sense of safety, my sense of self, my sense of like, oh I'm, you know, and you know, when I'm working with kids, it's the it's the language of, you know, always, always have been, always will be lovable. It's like, how do you begin to recognize and move into that? Like, you know, I say, hey, if you have a big S on your sleeve, like like Superman, right? Or, or yeah, superwoman yeah. <laughs> or superperson, that that then there's a level of of, and that's how we survive deep trauma, right? I think that's the piece where it's like people might say hey, I got, you know, let's say I got caught in an avalanche. Like They might come out and kind of go, well, that was kind of exciting. Another person might be completely devastated by that. And I think it really is how our sense of self, our sense of security and safety, helps us create a perception of that experience.
2: I think for me, it's it's a little bit reverse if I'm hearing you correctly, but I don't know if I'm hearing it right, Tracy. But so I think initially, There's fluidity and safety. Mm
3: -hmm. Like
2: babies, parents. If parents are in self, kids are in self, safety is there, like inherently. And when things happen in the outside world, it becomes less safe and kids have to disconnect from themselves in order to survive in any kind of way. This is an IFS where protectors show up. My protective parts have to protect me. Mm -hmm. The correction... In my view, is not get safe first inside so that you can experience the world safely outside. I think it's the reverse, at least for me. Uh-huh. Is that kids have to experience in some way in some places safe external after they've been traumatized, right? Right. In order to then feel safe enough to go inside. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like it it's like outside first, because outside was dangerous. And so this is where connection is super important for my perspective. This is where, you know, I feel like certain people, you know, certain therapists just have that kind of it factor. Mm -hmm. And it is presence. It is this conveying warmth and safety, which really then opens the door Mm -hmm. to let somebody be able to explore inside but if if you can't feel that with somebody you're not it's too dangerous Mm -hmm. to feel it inside even though it's in there like i love i always say access like it's in there i always tell my clients it's in there it's in there we'll help you access it but they can't access it if the world is too unsafe
1: no, absolutely I agree with that. Right? So, and that's so that's yeah. where that that's where we're working with the parents versus like create that yeah. sense of security and safety, which is yeah, you know, why I have kids do things mom and dad's way, whatever. So it gives them a sense of security, right? You create the 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 environment needs to be safe and secure. Yes before we can yeah. do the trauma work or the work. Yeah, absolutely yeah. I agree hundred percent on that. Um I think my I think my point that I was trying to to t- make was when. When we're not we're not working on it, and just in general, right, for the average person or whatever that, if uh, if my sense of self was so disrupted because from conception, you know, um, Don Turner talks a lot about this in his work with, and this he's from Sweden, so it's really old work. I mean, it's there's not a lot of access to it, and he um I don't think he got put out there a lot, but it's, I I got I trained with him. It was really fascinating to really for him to see a talk about how parents conceive a child what mood what what energy they're in and yes. the in utero experience yeah, yeah. And, and i always think there always is that seed of set sense of self it's always there no matter how that happens but the ability to have access to that becomes so much right. more limited based on yes. the immense amount of trauma from from earth from moment from, from, from conception in utero through birth right And so I think as an attachment therapist, we're looking at, well, what is that story? What's that narrative story to give the child a story to kind of go, this is your story. Now let's reframe it. Let's recreate a different story. But to be able to do that, you're right. The external world that they're living in at the given moment has to be secure and safe.
2: Yeah. It's one of the reasons why I, I love kids so much and (laughs) I, I thought, of course, I was going to be a pediatrician, and I also thought I was going to be a child psychiatrist, like, of course, but it was too painful for me, honestly, yeah, because of my own childhood trauma history mm-hmm. to work with these kids for 50 minutes or once or twice a week and then send them back into an unsafe setting like my right, system is right. too triggered. I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful that people do that work. Like, thank goodness there are people that do that. But me personally, Mm -hmm. it was too painful to send a kid back into a dangerous and toxic environment, which I know we have to do. So it was just like personally too painful. So I was like, all right, I'll work with adults who have been traumatized as kids. It's not maybe actively happening quite in the same way that it can for kids.
3: Mm -hmm. So
2: that's a big Issue for me. And I'm, again, I'm glad people do it. It needs to be done. Yeah. And you can teach kids, I believe, how do I use my protectors to try to keep myself safe mm-hmm. in a dangerous situation? So there right. is that, you know, it's self itself, the vulnerability of self might be dangerous when you're in a traumatic situation. But mm-hmm. can your protectors help you out here? So yeah. I think there's a way to teach kids. Mm-hmm. if they I are in an in unsafe setting, how to utilize their protectors in a way such that they can better able protect themselves. Right. And, and the healing mm-hmm. that needs to happen from trauma has to have a level of safety um, in it in a way to be yeah, vulnerable no. in that way. Yeah, I, I um Yeah,
1: my hat goes off to People that are on the, what I would call the front lines, of working you with kids who it. are being returned to the to trauma place. Luckily for me, as as a, you know, working with um, you know as the attachment therapist, right? It's like I'm working with adoptive parents mostly, right? Yeah. For parents, yeah. so they're so they're hopefully that's already a safe environment, um, and we have to work on. Well, sometimes it's not because so much right. gets activated by the yeah. child's trauma. So your child is you have a child is coming in who's traumatized. They're bringing all their trauma, and and And, you know, just because you're a loving, safe environment doesn't mean that it's not going to, shit's going to not hit the fan, right? It's going to, it does. And so now, and that's where I think parents who are adopting are not, I think they're getting better with learning how to be prepared for the fact that this child's trauma is going to activate everybody's trauma. And even if you haven't had that trauma or you Mm -hmm. think you haven't had trauma, it's going to, something's going to get activated.
2: You got it. (laughs) 100%. 100%. 100%. <laughs> I have a, fun, a funny story about this. It's not funny. It was a little bit shocking to me. Yeah. Um, I was at a conference. There was one of Bessel's trauma conferences and Gabor Maté was sitting at the table with Dick Schwartz. And they're like, hey, Frank, come on over and say hello. i
3: mm-hmm. like, hey,
2: Gabor, nice to meet you. And we were chatting and it was, he's a lovely person. And you know, he's written um, a book with Neufeld around um, hold, hold On To Your Kids, which I think is beautiful, around attachment. And I was telling him about my, my kids were born through surrogacy. And, you know, we talked, we talked about, I was there at the birth because attachment is so important for me. And he's like, well, you're, of course your kids have a trauma history. And I'm like, what? Like, I've been a good parent. Like I'm working, I'm a trauma therapist. He's like, well, you can't be, he was, he was so what Can't be like kind of ripped away from your mom at birth and not have a trauma history because of right, that, right. you know? And it was just like, it was like, oh yeah, that's right. Like, you know, you didn't do anything wrong, Frank, right. and just even, the surrogacy experience in and of itself
3: mm-hmm. on a
2: cellular level can be traumatic for a child and adoptive parents or parents, you know, have to be ready for that or just hold that awareness. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there right from the moment. So there'll be no problem with attachment, right? I was my fantasy. Yeah. And Gabor, just very matter of fact, was like, Right, Frank, sure. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, I think, Uh-oh. yeah, it's great. And it's a great story because that's what I talk about. It's like, that's so important, right? It's yes. kind of like to understand. And I, I like the word, I can't remember who brought it up and I'll have to give this person honor of being able to say, she was talking about the interruptions, right? That that's yeah. an interruption, right? Yes. Those we have all these little interruptions and they don't necessarily have to be huge traumatic events, but they're interruptions that disrupt the natural flow right. of how it's right. supposed to happen. And yeah. it doesn't mean that just because it didn't happen the way it was supposed to, that it's bad. or <clears> But it is a matter of being able to recognize it, right? And that, I think that's important to give space and permission and the ability to have the vulnerability to, to be empowered to sort of say, hey, here's your story, right? right? And it's not an excuse. Right. And it's not a reason, but it's simply your story. The more we, it's like, I always say, let's bring my shadow side in. I mm-hmm. want to sit down every time I meditate, yeah. which is not that often, but you know, mm-hmm. it should be every day, but when it's not right. Or when it yeah. is to kind of bring my shadow side in to kind of go, right. let's have a conversation.
3: You right. Got
1: it. What, how, let's have a conversation with these pieces of, of, and I think that's the important piece to kind of, to give people permission and the expansiveness to hey, there's nothing wrong with stepping into your vulnerability. It actually strengthens and empowers you. And I think, um, you know, Renee Brown
3: um, talks a lot about
1: that, right? All of her podcasts are really about how do we embrace the vulnerability as an empowerment of, of being able to know. So you're not taken by surprise. I know my trauma story. I know. Yeah. So that when it does get slapped in my face, I go, "Oh, I know what that is." Oh, yeah. Oh well, welcome home. Let's <laughs> sit down and talk about this. Um and you know, it's always it's always the mystery of when a new piece gets slapped in your face and you're like, "Oh, hadn't looked at that quite like that before, right?"
2: Well, a couple of things about that, like it will get slapped in your face because that's what the human experience is like, in my view, like we are all here to learn, right? And nobody is here without some kind of opportunity for learning. It is the human experience, you know, and I think about what's your story and can you take advantage of the opportunity to learn and grow from it? Like what's your story and how to repair it? A bunch of yes. story like Bessel van der Kolk always early on when I was working with him would say, you know, and he would say this to us in our team meetings, you know, sometimes I think the trauma is not as important as a repair. Mm-hmm. Like what you do after is even more important, you know, and that's the sitting with it, talking about it, mm-hmm. correcting it, working through it, you know, is a piece that I think is enormously important. Repair is ev- not everything, but repair is a huge piece. You know, and that does require, as you talked about, and I love Brene's work in this way around vulnerability. So many of my clients are like, vulnerability is a four-level letter word. Like, why would I ever do that? And so Brene does a beautiful job Mm -hmm. of saying it's a superpower, not a a weakness, right? Right, right. And if parents can't hold that vulnerability because they've got too many of their own demons that Mm -hmm. they're trying to push away. Yeah. That their kids are activating in them,
3: mm-hmm.
2: then there's no real opportunity for repair. Right. You right. know, so it's like if we in IFS we call it do the U-turn. Yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. You've got to
2: do the U-turn.
3: Yeah.
2: You've got to be able to look at yourself. And this is where it's like, you want to be a good parent? You got to do your work. Not you want to be a good parent, there's a way to fix your child.
3: Right. Like
2: it's right. like, it's like do that U-turn, look at what's getting activated. It will. Mm-hmm. It's kind of supposed to, right. part of the human right. condition. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then you can really give this kid a very different experience than you ever had, yeah. if you're really going to do it differently. Yeah,
1: I think those are really good points, and and I think the, also the piece when you were talking about, you know, where Vanderkolk was talking about just the importance of the repair work, right? Yeah. And I, I and I really. Um, kind of on this sort of ending note here, thinking about, you know, I think uh, maybe it might've been Carolyn Mace was talking about um, mm. or Penny Lewis in, years ago as a movement therapist talking about, don't get stuck on the boat of, of the storytelling, right? right? You have to get off right. of that. The repair yes. is being able to tell the yeah. story, know the story, repair it, tell yourself, a, 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 you know, reframe it, tell, you know, however that work is for, for that person. But don't stay on that boat, right? Because we, like we can all we can all collect together, like all the victims, all you know, all of our trauma histories can come in, and we can kind of get on that boat and have a party with it, but never really move beyond the telling of it. And I think it's important to yeah yeah I'll say ahead.
2: a piece about that because yeah. you know telling the story is not what trauma repair is about. Right. Okay. Trauma yeah. repair. You know, telling the story is a cognitive piece mm-hmm. of healing. Right. You know, that's one of the things I love about IFS is because we have a whole component, which is about healing. It's about witnessing. Mm-hmm. It's about internal repair. And it's about release. Yes, You have to have a releasing component to heal trauma. Telling the story keeps it a story. So there's the being with it. We call it witnessing. And there's the corrective experience. Self can be there in a way that nobody else was. There's an internal healing. And there's a, now that self has been there, it's okay to release it. So the release piece is very important around healing. Mm -hmm. And that goes for parents as well as kids. Cause then you're like, okay, I could be with you in all of your glory Because I'm not carrying anything anymore. Yeah, Yeah,
0: that's beautiful. Beautiful. Lots of food for thought today. And uh, Frank, thank you so much for joining us. Tracy, as always, you bring so much to the table. Uh, There's a lot for parents to take away and, and do the work. Uh, you know, that that's what it's boiled down to. So thank you everyone for joining us today for Rad Family Parenting Podcast. Uh, If you want more information, feel free to find us at fullcirclefamilycounseling.com. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at rad at counseling.com. And we'll see you next time.